You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Bears fans, to this installment of Bare Bones, to IR and back again, where we will look over this week's injury news and preview the Vikings game. So, Danny, we haven't been canceled yet. We're back for episode number two. How are you doing? Oh, you know, a little bit of A, a little bit of B, just kind of making through the days, you know? How about you? Pretty good. It's funny how I tend to wear a lot of my fandom on my sleeve. And, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the times my weeks go with how my fandoms go. You know, the, the Bulls were not inspiring in their first preseason game. The Bears are hard to watch, but you do it because you love it or because, you know, we got to be able to react to it. It's it stinks that we're already at this point of the season with the Bears where we, we knew it was going to be rough. But as we were talking <laughs> about kind of before the show, there's really not much to hang your hat on. Even in a rebuild, a lot of times you got something that you can just be like, all right, cool. We got this part, but it's tough right now with this Bears team. Yeah, it's it's just not a fun watch. You know, it's it's misery and like outside of really Justin Jones on the defensive line. It's like the line is hard to watch. It's making the linebackers hard to watch because they're all undersized and quick. And when that's all hard to watch, it's going to make the secondary's job immensely even more. It's like it's like the kinetic chain, right? If one thing hurts, the next thing's going to hurt. And the next thing's going to hurt because you're compensating or whatnot. So it's just – in the infamous words of John Fox, it's all a problem. Like it – I don't even know where to go. Well, so that's I a guess. That's a good transition to our knee-jerk reaction. Uh, this is where we do one hot <laughs> take from the last game, just something that we feel just from our gut. Where are you at, Danny? Um, the defensive lack of discipline in this game was my immediate reaction. I mean, I don't even know like what to say. Like, yeah, they didn't allow the second half touchdown, but it was everything from Kyler Gordon just getting absolutely picked on all game long again. Yeah. To Jaquan Brisker just not keeping his eyes right. He he was. Ju- I'm not sure if that was the initial game plan. Like they just sold out to stop Barkley. Like don't let Barkley beat us. And it just carried over. And even if they tried to adjust at halftime, there, there was so much lack of discipline between. I mean, forgot Daniel Jones scored twice on the same damn play. It's absurd. Like. What are you supposed to do? Like, that's my knee-jerk reaction. And at a certain point, it's not just adjustments. It's you can adjust all you want at halftime. It, eventually, the players have to enact the adjustments. It's not just, hey, we want to do this now. All right, cool. That's the right call. All right, we're still falling for the same crap over and over again. You know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's high school stuff, right? Read your keys. It just didn't seem like a lot of the the linebackers, a lot of the safeties, you know, you, you called out Brisker. I see a lot of the safeties. Really, it was Brisker. Eddie Jackson had a great game. Uh, Eddie Jackson was great. <laughs> they weren't doing the basic stuff, right? Read read your t- key. Where is the tackle going? Where is the tight end going? Like, it's not like all these were naked boots and they were just like, hey, you know, Danny Dimes, have fun out on the edge. Like, no, there was there was blocking that was involved in a lot of times, too, it was a pass play that broke down into a scramble. And so who has contained there? 
it's 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 frustrating, like you said. And someone like Eberflus, who is supposed to come in and you know the hits principle and be very disciplined and all these kinds of things, it's frustrating, like you said, to to see that that part is struggling so much, and that you have then the struggles on offense and the lack of discipline on special teams and things of that nature. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction is having a hard time abiding by some of the heavy Justin Fields reaction. I don't want to say even say overreaction because Justin has things he needs to work on. Let's let's get that straight. But trying to not put it on some of the other factors as well. So for me, for example, it's the O-line. The fact that, you know, PFF Bear has the Bears ranked currently as a 32nd in pass block grade on true pass sets in through week four. So, you know, no play action, no screens, and basically – is there pressure within the first 2.5 seconds or so? 32nd in the league shows me that he has little to no time. When you have little to no time, especially after what he went through last year too, Cleveland game comes to mind. Yeah, I'm going to be gun shy too. And I'm going to bail out of the pocket probably sooner than I should. I'm not stepping up into the shenanigans of Sam Mustafer letting people blow by him. I'm getting out of there. So yeah, it's not just those plays that the 2.5 seconds, it affects the other 2.6 and greater second plays too. Yeah, and the other part of it that I would like to add on to that is hits matter, man. Not the not the the the, the, the coaching theory they're trying to enact. The fact that he's getting hit all the time, whether it's as he's throwing, after he's throwing, on his slides, laid out of bounds, on the actual run plays themselves, eventually – it's just gonna it's gonna mess with your timing. And he's starting to like I, I kind of alluded to it last week too. He's starting to see ghosts and feel pressure that isn't there actually, because he's just taking so many hits and he doesn't trust that line or trust his receivers to be open. Now part of that is recalibrating what is NFL open versus what was open at Ohio State when you were working yeah. with three first rounders. But really? it, it it's not it's not solely him. It's not solely the weapons. It's not solely the line. It's all coming together to make this mishmash of just horrid, disjointed offense. Oh, it's yeah. It's again. It's hard that we're here already. <laughs> it's it's only week five, and we're already in this very frustrated place. Uh, but now we move to to be a perfectly honest. This is where you know we something that brutally honest each of us took from the last game, and mine is that I do find Eberflus to be refreshing. And I know I just was like, eh, about him previously, but in the post-game stuff, that's where I'm, I'm liking what I'm hearing because, A, he's willing to talk about stuff. I mean, he's a little secretive when it comes to injuries, what's going on with the line, things like that. But, I mean, he straight up said that Fields had, had time on that third and 10 play where Mooney was streaking open down the field. But then he also mentioned, hey, Mooney, you're responsible too because you got to bend that route on that concept. But then he also says, well, the entire line gets handed loafs where on that play where Justin was sacked and, and fumbled. So he's willing to say in public, hey, these are the problems. Here are the players that need to fix what they're doing instead of where we've seen over and over again, where it's just being very reserved and not talking, not saying anything. He's almost self-aware in a way that we haven't had in Chicago in a while. Like Matt Nagy had no self-awareness. He would sometimes get chippy with the, with the media and stuff like that, where he's like, I, I know I have to run the ball, not an idiot. Like, all right, cool. Or the, the infamous line of, I wasn't brought here to run the I formation. Like, <laughs> Dude, it's <laughs> run what's called for in a certain situation. But he he is refreshing in a sense of he seems somewhat self-aware. Like you still get a lot of coachy coach speak where he'll sometimes give you two or three minutes of audio where he doesn't say a whole lot of anything. Right. But 
that's the nature of the NFL in and of itself. Um, my, to be a perfectly honest, was um, that Daniel Jones is still very bad at football. <laughs> um, and it was very infuriating watching the Bears have, by count, probably four sacks that they just they couldn't get them. Like, there was one where Al-Kadim Muhammad had him when he was rolling backside to his strong side, and it was like, he, he's got him, he's got him, and he slipped. Damn it. <laughs> and you know, there was a couple other ones. And, and to, to, to Daniel Jones' credit, he's not just a – he's not a good athlete for a quarterback. He's legitimately – he's a good athlete. Like, right, he yeah. – like, so he is fast. And, and kind of like I alluded to in, in the knee-jerk reaction of everyone is so quick to say, well, the coaches have to adjust. The coaches have to adjust. No, players have to take the adjustment and run with it. They have to enact it on field. Mm-hmm. This is on the players. Coaching can only go so far before it comes down to the Jimmys and Joes on the field. Yeah, and it's funny. I had a couple of Giants fans slide into my DMs. Um, I popped on a, a Giants podcast just to give a, an idea of you know what's going on with the matchup and all that. And in I said I I I picked the Bears to win it, and they they could have won that game. Let's be real; they didn't deserve to win it, but they could have. Um, I said in that, in that podcast, I, I'm picking the bears mainly because I still think ultimately Justin Fields is going to be a better quarterback. I just can't pick Daniel Jones. So when then I had some giant fans sliding into my DMS being like, ha, look at that. Daniel Jones. Again, like you're saying to be, to be honest, he's not a good quarterback. He's not going to be there that much longer. I I don't know where he's going to be, but I can tell you it's not going to be playing in New York. Yeah. Also, uh, I know it's early in the show, but prayers out to, a. Poor Tyrod Taylor. I thought Morrow killed a man on the field. That was a oh. nasty looking hit. That was that was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And actually, we're gonna jump a little bit because you brought that up. We're gonna come back to it though. We're gonna go right to our concussed corner <laughs> just because that's a beautiful transition, and I think it's great. So, Danny, what is something from last game that you know the decision was so odd that the decision maker must have be concussed? Um. So I know a lot of people are gonna say the punting by. Eber flutes on that fourth down. Um, but I would actually say the, the 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 several three downs leading up to it were very questionable. Like I get the punt itself wasn't great, but it worked. In essence, it worked. They pinned him back, they got the desired result, they got the punt back, and then you know, shenanigans ensued with the third round pick that just made his debut that Sunday. But the, the the coaching calls and we're still doing this weird thing where they're high, they're actually surprisingly efficient on second and third down passing. They just don't do it very often. So is it a skewed sample size thing? Is it is it like oh they just don't do it because they don't trust anything? But they're still doing this like second and fourteen, third and ten, run the ball. It's the essence of playing not to lose. And if you play not to lose you're going to end up losing a lot more. And and to be clear, I don't think either of us picked the Bears to win more than six games this year. Seven was like best true outcome you could come up with. It looked like a gun to my head. Right. But this, the way they played yes, this past weekend against the Giants, who, to be clear, are a fraud of a 3 and one team. They are not good at football. Oh, absolutely. I, I cannot get past that they should have won this football game. And they just could not score or get out of their own way in certain instances. How about you, Mason? What was your boneheaded, what the hell is going on here? You know, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up what you did uh, in terms of 
the third round pick, right, making a, an unfortunate play because mine was having Valus Jones at third round pick active, but not having him log a single snap on offense. To me, you know, you have St. Brown with 59 snaps, Darnell Mooney with 53, Pettis with 36, and Smith Marset with six. For me, and, and this is just maybe this is just me, but like I have a hard time. It's it's like a sixth, seventh man person coming off the bench and expecting them, hey, hit all three of your shots. You know, just fielding the balls a little different. You know, we saw there was like some gustiness going on, um, with the, due to being where they were at in New York, in New Jersey. I almost said New York. Let's be, they're not in New York. Um, and how do you not even use them on an end around? How do you not send them at least once on a deep route? Like, are you that worried about the injury? Does is he that behind on the playbook? You know, let him be a part of the game and at least have something else for the Giants to consider. And I think what the other concerning part about that is with Velas is if it's the playbook thing you're already talking about a guy who's 25 years old as a rookie. That's concerning. If he's not picking up the playbook and he hasn't been practicing, he so that means he should be in the playbook. Why isn't he on the field? Is it the injury? Is it the playbook? Like it, there's a lot of weird things around Velas Jones in general because that injury came kind of out of nowhere almost. Like he wasn't practicing. Then he all of a sudden he was active for the second preseason game. And then he was gone. He was just disappeared. And then he was gone again up until this past week when we knew it was a hamstring bothering him. And then he doesn't even get a single offensive snap. It's just, it's bizarre. To say the yeah, least. absolutely. And, and, you know, just to mention on this, release, like, I'm not saying he doesn't know the playbook. That's that's absolutely not what we're trying to say here. We're just saying, no, like, no, we're, we're listing the things that potentially why the heck you're not having him do a single snap. That's one of the list of like six things that maybe it could be, but it, it's it's weird. I don't care. I mean, if you have, if you're fine to play the game and if you're fine to go from a, a stop position and accelerate immediately, your your hamstring is fine. It, that's it. There, there There's no. You could have him do a fly route. You can have him do an end around. It's not a hamstring issue. If it is, he shouldn't be out there. It's as simple as that. And again, that's just that's me saying that as someone who deals with that on a daily basis. It, it was like the thing that I'll liken it to, uh, like Zach Levine in the playoffs last year when he was starting to struggle. It's like, oh well, his knee is bothering him. He's out there. He's healthy enough to play. I don't want to hear the excuses. Play, right? Play to your ability. And then now we're going to yeah. head to our area where what we found a little, little humorous for me, I find it funny that it took a white hair injury for the bears to, in theory, stick with Tevin Jenkins at right guard. That the fact that, you know, I think the eyeball test and even some of the advanced stats show he's been pretty good at right guard. The entire line has been good in pass protection, but he's been one of the better players in run mm-hmm. protection. Let just let him be out there. Just you're in a rebuild. We don't, I get what you're doing with Lucas Patrick in terms of making sure he's ready to go when you get to center. Maybe you have these question marks. Just let him play. Just stop it. Yeah. Uh, my humorous moment was it's God, I hope this doesn't become a recurring theme on this show for us, but it's more, another laugh to keep from crying. It's Daniel Jones scoring twice on the same exact damn play. Like it was, <laughs> you couldn't have drawn it up. It, it was like the same thing. Jaquan bit down strong side and he, here comes Daniel Jones ro- rolling back weak side and, Oh no, <laughs> he's taking away the angle again, and there's the touchdown. Cool, neat, sweet. I, I'm not upset or anything. Absolutely. Not. <laughs> well, what would you say, Danny? Was your jaw-dropping stat something that just really stuck to you, whether it's from the game or going forward? 
Um, kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, I brought up the punt earlier, and when I saw it was the surrender rate on that punt, that it was like something like ninety-seven and a half percent, which is like or in the ninety-seventh and a half percentile, um, for being a surrender move, based on that analytic uh, on Twitter, it, it kind of threw me for a loop because it didn't. Again, maybe it's just I'm not well versed in the, that specific stat, but the punt itself with three timeouts to pin them deep and then get the ball back, it, the plan itself worked. Like, it's not like they were losing by 14. They were down eight. It was a single score game. Right. Like, so who cares? <laughs> like, and then um, my other one would be 12 points all scored by a kicker no longer on the roster. Yeah, what a what a great you know tweet from the Bears and Ryan Poles. You know, appreciate you scoring every single one of our points. Here's the door. I mean, what else are you gonna do? I mean, Carlos Santos in turn, you're not gonna keep right. him on the team. Carlos Santos is being paid all the money. It was a good showing. You know, Badgley was able to go out there and like put some tape out. And if another team and needs a kicker, in theory, he should be fine. Yeah. One thing I thought was weird, and maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure the Chargers actually just signed a kicker. He has experience with the Chargers. It's weird that he didn't bring him back in, but you know, yeah, whatever. that is strange. What about you? What's your jaw drop stat of jaw dropping this? My uh, stat of jaw dropping this actually is going to require a picture because I didn't necessarily Ooh, want to I like uh, pictures. have to talk about it. So, and this is a, just a friendly reminder. Uh, we are, if you're listening oh, to this no. later, we are live. <laughs> we are live. The, this chart makes me sad. So, if you look at the that, bottom, right, quarterback drop percent without pressure. And if you look at the left side, it's the dropbacks where receivers were open. If you look, the bottom left corner is where the Bears are sitting. I'm going to estimate here because it's not exact, but around, what, 58% of the time is Justin Fields is able to drop back without pressure. No one else is even close to as low as that, really. Um, and then if you look at dropbacks where the wide receivers deemed open, that's about 36%. Also very low. The other teams, I'm not even sure what those bullet points are. I think one might be the Texans down there. But basically, the, the Bears have created a situation where they are in a league of their own when it comes to not being open and allowing pressure, AKA it's as multifactorial. This is not just a, Hey, Justin Fields is a bad quarterback conversation. Yeah. It's hard to disagree with that. It's completely, it's like I said, it's a terrible, it's a terrible mishmash of crap going on on offense. And it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better anytime soon. No, absolutely not. And, you know, and John just said that in the chat too, right? Too bad he doesn't get a clean pocket half the time. <laughs> Isn't That's that's absolutely wild uh, that that's, that's the case. Yeah, it's it's embarrassing almost. Like, because they're not even in the same dimension as anybody else. Like, it, they're just on an island by themselves. They're Tom Hanks and Castaway. <laughs> so who's Wilson? Uh, Wilson, uh, that can be Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert can be his Wilson. <laughs> That's the one thing you're <laughs> hanging on to. Khalil Herbert, please. <laughs> oh, Ryan Poles is in the chat. That's so cool. All right, let's move on to our news dump. Uh, this is just kind of where we're going to go over a couple quick hitting things uh, from, from the week. One thing, a couple things we found, I found interesting. Iberflu said the team would reduce the amount of time in full pads to keep them fresh, shorter practices again like last week. Danny, is there, you know, I'm all about callousing. Do you think, is there anything to do with this? Is the hits principle wearing on the team at all? Or is this just traditional football is going to wear on you kind of stuff? 
I think it's probably the latter more than the former. I think that they did the callousing and the hard hitting and everything the first few weeks of camp, obviously, in minicamp, because we know they got fined for their OTAs or minicamps, right, because yeah. they were going too hard. Um, you know, they've got their callousing in. This is – I think it's just the season's a grind. It's The NFL is, for lack of a better term, it's a war of attrition, right? Who's healthy? Who's not? And, you know, unfortunately, we've had a couple – not non-minuscule injuries pile up on the Bears roster, one being Cody Whitehair, which I know we're going to get to later in the show. But it's, you know, it's not good. And yeah. I think that they're just trying to lessen the blows and keep their guys as healthy as they can, especially with they got the Vikings this weekend, and then they got a short week with the Commanders on Thursday. You know, I'm going to keep it simple. I agree with that. I just want to nip that narrative in the butt a little bit where, you know, it's not just all of a sudden Eberflus throwing his hands up and being like, oh, I was wrong, hits are bad, loafs are bad, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's just football. Yeah, you, you, you got to manage it. Um, one other thing I thought interesting, a little news part. So after the game, Justin Fields had some comments about the Eddie Jackson pick, uh, and Mooney had some similar thoughts later in the week saying that it put the offense in a tough spot, mm-hmm. having Eddie Jackson intercept that pass on first down. Where do you fall on that? I think he was more – I don't think he was saying Eddie made the wrong play. I think he was more – it's it's clear he's a young kid who's never had this sort of non-level of successes. He's clearly struggling, and he's clearly going through it a little bit because he's always been the best. I mean, he was – I think he was part of the Under Armour Perfect Game Series for baseball. He was Mr. Georgia football or whatever. Like, he he's always been successful, and he's not now. He's got, got – 15 starts under his belt total right after last week. And he's got like six total wins between last year and this year in the 15. So he's six and nine. If my memory serves, I don't have that stat pulled up in front of me. I think I'm going completely off the top of my head there, but um, it's gotta be getting to him. And I think that that is the very essence of him being just frustrated from his answer to to Jason Leeser about I don't care about stats as long as we win the game and to well oh no Eddie's Eddie you know pinned us back which he is right it, the interception did pin them back but what is there's a maybe what four or five safeties in the league that have the range to go even make that interception and Eddie went and made it like it's hard yeah I'm gonna keep it simple like you said that was a crazy play that Eddie made it was first down you make the pick it's it's just frustration starting to boil over a little bit. Uh, like you know, like you said, it just is what it is. Uh, don't put too much stock in it. I again, something else. Just yeah. want to nip in the bud. This is I, there's so much stuff I, right now that's gonna get thrown out there. And as Ryan Poles is saying, right, don't worry. The plan is to lay the foundation and build on that. So we don't really have to worry about it too much. Uh, King Poles. So now we're going to move on to our training room roundup where we're going to discuss some of the injuries specifically with the Bears and touch on the Vikings. I'm not going to lie. The Vikings don't have a lot going on, so it's going to be a little heavier on the Bears. Uh, we'll throw on Shikapau. Here we go. So let's run through some of the ones that either A, not as concerned about, or honestly, they're not as interesting. So you have Dane Crookshank. He's just still going to be out, as we saw with Bayless Jones. Uh, hamstrings can be temperamental. He's just going to be out for a while. A little bit of a special teams hit. Uh, he was one of the biggest things for him coming into the season was being a tight end stopper. Uh, what are your any thoughts on, on Crick Shank and, and that label that he was given? I mean, it's, it was interesting in theory. And we had the cool little breakdown from the Titans uh, YouTuber whose name is escaping me. But I mean, 
he's not playing, so we don't really get to see that enacted. It would be cool to see him in the dimebacker role to take on bigger tight ends like an Irv Smith this weekend. But, nice. you know, doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It'll be. Um, Ryan Griffin limited. I think that's actually a low-key kind of a – not a big thing, but something that's going to help. You saw that last week where with him not in, you had Wesco who got more snaps, and Wesco is basically a giant tackle. So having him run routes is a waste of your time. So having him back would be mm-hmm. nice. He should be back as long as Friday clears out. He had a little aggravation, I think, last week. That's why he didn't play. Um, Jalen Johnson, uh, I don't want to make minimize this, but there's not a lot to talk about. He's out. He's not, I don't think he's not. He's playing this week. That quad is is bothering him. Still hasn't been seen doing anything besides your traditional bike esque stuff and, and rehab. So, Have we heard exactly yeah. what he did to his quad? Because like, I know too. he had he had the mm-hmm. I know he had the not quote saying that if it was a playoff game, he'd be able to give it a go. Like, the, yeah, not there's not been anything that has been substantial. It's probably one of those things where, like you're saying, could he push through it? Yeah, he could like jam through that, but it's gonna be real tough. And you don't want to risk more injury. Like that's a, it's a soft tissue injury and you can re-aggravate it or a pole can become a tear. It's just one of those things. Um, and this wasn't on the, the screen, but any news on Pringle for Torian? Yeah, he's gotten short-term IR, so he still has three weeks even before you're, we're going to even consider that. Um, the other ones, just to highlight real quick, rapid fire, Jalen Jones, illness, full participant. He's good to go. Justin Jones, limited. I mean, we saw sometimes limited becomes did not participate the next day, so let me keep an eye on. Danny talks about Justin Jones early. If he's not in there, your bad run defense is even worse, right, Danny? Uh, without question. And you, then you're—he's actually been generating some decent uh, pass rush too. It looks like like just pushing the pocket, collapsing, and make it a little harder to stay in there. He's been a solid, if not good, defensive tackle. It's just like I said, it's everything around him. It's it's making his life just more difficult. And when all you have to do is focus on one guy, like, all right. It's basically the theory of in basketball oh, that this bum team has one volume score. Let him do whatever he wants and make the rest of the team beat us. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then Dave Montgomery did practice today, limited participant. That guy is Wolverine. Individual drills. <laughs> I don't get it. So I saw that injury. I saw the video of that. We went over it last week. If you want to, uh, I did a mini breakdown on what we looked at in the last uh, one we did. It's insane because there's not just that. He had the knee injury last year with the MCL uh, sprain that he had. And then he also had that groin injury he had like in the preseason. He doesn't – he's legitimately Wolverine. Oh, I call him Cyborg just because, you know, Teen Titans love that love that show growing up. But it's insane. Um, I'm leaning towards him start playing, but with a pretty divided workload between himself and Herbert. Oh, I could see that totally. It, and, you know, it's one of those things. It's we, we talked about it in our debut last week. He is probably not, quote-unquote, the fit for the offensive run scheme that they're employing. But that guy's an emotional and, and like, team leader of that offense. It, it's, it's something to kind of look for them to – it's a guy for them to look to is what I'm saying. You know? So – He's not the best player in the world, but he certainly matters for the morale of that locker room. And if someone Justin can look to as just to confide in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, just being that emotional support on the sideline in the game is, is huge, I think, for for Justin, for for Herbert. Uh, I, I would expect him maybe even to get some more of those third down 
reps, like for the pass protection, because Herbert has struggled as a pass protector. So Ooh, having yeah. Monty in there would be pretty pretty helpful, I would think. Yep, would agree with that. All right, and then and just one more. Herbert is sick. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sick. I mean, maybe there's something going around right now. It, clearly, it's, it's not a COVID thing, or else all hell would break loose. Um, right, uh, Keneal Harry, right? 21 day window open for him. He's not on the. I'm not sure who Keneal Harry is, but Nikhil right, Harry. Nikhil, is back. Nikhil Harry. I call him Keneal <laughs> so often. I don't know why. I'm sorry, Nikhil. I know you listen to this podcast. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> he does. He does. He doesn't actually. Um, but he joined individual drills, and then you know, would then went to be with the strength staff. Um, don't expect him this week. It's as simple as that. A, there's no reason to rush him back from from that injury. The high ankle sprain is a pretty big deal, but uh, he's in that seven, eight week mark at this point that he's good to go in terms of being being more active. And also keep in mind, in three games, the Bears are playing the Patriots. And I can only imagine that he has that game circled saying, hey, I'm back for this game. So expect him to maybe get a bit of a mini ramp up game against the Commanders and then more full force against the New England Patriots. Have to agree with that. All right. So now Cody Whitehair, right, was placed on four-week IR, so that short term. Um, according to Adam Johns at The Athletic, he left the locker room in a straight leg brace. And that's important to note simply because the type of injury it might be. Uh, so oh, that's my screensaver. Yay. I remember that game. That was fun. That was fun. That's only <laughs> three weeks ago. That seems like an eternity ago. So we're going to look at really quick. I found the exact play where Cody got hurt, obviously here. Uh, and again, another reminder, if you're listening to the podcast, check the video out. Come look at YouTube and some other places. It's probably also on Twitter. Um, play this at half speed and try to talk through this best I can. I also apologize because Soldier Field has terrible all 22 tape. All 22, the worst all 22 you can ever it's, watch. It's ridiculous. And then if you watch the end zone view, and it makes sense, they snap away immediately as soon as that ball's out. And like, I can't even... I have no idea. Can't see it. So what we're going to look at here, boom, ball snapped. Everything's hunky-dory. Boom, boom, boom. And what happens is you can see Mustafer, and I know a lot of people in the chat, is, is he, he's everyone's favorite person. So, you know, keep keep that in mind. He's getting blocked, blocked, out of the way, and then the right tackle is going to collapse down and nail Cody in the back of the leg, right? You can see him. So down. Cody gets rolled up on gets rolled up on uh danny in your playing days did you ever get rolled up on at all yep it's, it's not fun. super not fun it's it's so great roll it's, it's back the most again. fun boom right on the back of that right leg so because of that and because of the fact that he left in a straight leg race and the also combining the fact that he's on short-term ir i believe he has an mcl potential acl combo going on there a strain grade Ooh, two grade three one because he was hit from the back, right? The one of the main jobs of the ACL is to prevent the tibia, that lower leg grown from moving forward. And that's and that's what would happen. Normally, you know, in terms of a total rupture, you see a non-contact. So that's why I believe his ACL was spared since it was more of a contact injury. And also you can see that body weight was shifting a bit to the midline and he's leaning to the right. Why I think some MCLs involved. PCL, that's actually considered your dashboard injury. So if you put your feet up on the car and you get a car accident and that tibia, that lower leg will get shoved backwards, it is super not fun. Everyone, if you're if your significant other or whoever kids drop put their legs up in the passenger seat, get them down. Please. No one wants a PCL. I can confirm having seen that firsthand in emergency situations when you get called to that. It's super not cool. It is yeah. <laughs> so actually, that's a good point. So Danny, when you've seen that, like what do you, what is the person usually 
looking like, feeling like when you get that PCL? Just as a little diversion here. Um, so if you're talking about the dashboard injury, they're looking yeah. like the basically the tibia is, in most cases when that airbag goes off, it's shattered and pushed back. And they're writhing in pain, more or less. Like, it, it just – it makes the leg look all contorted. Like, the, the knee is buckled back. The, 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 the tibia is either – Fractured in multiple places or straight dust, depending on how, like, harsh the impact is kind of thing. Or if the airbag goes off. It's not great. It's a um, pretty substantial injury to come back from. Yeah. So that's why also we're thinking short-term IR. I mean, if it was grade four, if it was a complete tear, he'd be done for the season. Uh, grade three, you can usually get away with 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 it, especially uh, in linemen. Um, ACL, PCL is a little more important for cutting specifically. Uh, sometimes you can even play with a torn ACL if you're a, if you're a lineman, mm-hmm. just because you don't need as much of that rotational stability. But yeah, that's so. Cody Whitehair done for at least the four weeks as we wait for short term IR. Would ex- expect similar thought process where if there's going to be a bit of a ramp up, come back. He's going to wear a leg brace when he does come back and play. But that's going to be. You know what's wild? Well. You watch this rep from Cody. He's actually it's a good rep from him there. <laughs> he does it's all right. Rep. It's a great <laughs> rep. That's the thing that sucks. Cody had a bit of a comeback season because last year he was not very good. This year he's been good, like legitimately yeah. good. He's been legitimately good. Well, let's get this off your screen so no one else has to watch that anymore. All right, back to the fun pick, and then slowly surely. Oh, look when white hair was was happy and healthy. Oh god, that's that's such a sad transition. <laughs> okay, back to that. <laughs> um, next, what we're gonna do is a little bit of a fantasy focus, just a bit of a chat of some stuff going around in the NFL. So, Danny, I'm gonna read you a list of read you a list quick list here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Aaron Patrick, PJ Locke, Adrian Amos, Tyquan Lewis, Shaquille Leonard, Cameron Klein, Denzel Perryman, Tyrod Taylor, Julian Love, Patrick Johnson, Terrell Edmonds, Cameron Brait. Who are that's those a people? lot of those are what a lot of share? Hurt to- what are they sharing comments? Def- defense. Oh Cameron no, Braid. You, Cameron Braid at the bottom. What do they? Tyrod they're Taylor. all. Oh well, Tyrod Taylor doesn't have have the fantasy focus. I don't know, Mason. What do they all have in common? Are they all hurt? All those players are hurt, specifically concussions. Fifteen. Oh, they're players, all concussions. Fifteen wow. players through this last week were ruled out with concussions. So, Danny, uh, I ask you: ooh, Is this a, a are you reaction sure it's not to back or neck injuries? Are we sure? Oh, I think that was. I, I'm asking you: Is this is this her reaction to Tua? And are you worried about it long term, whether it's NFL or fantasy purposes, etc., in terms of potential "quote unquote" overreactions to this? I don't think it's a Tua thing. I think it's more the NFL, and maybe I guess maybe a reaction to Tua, like, hey, let's make sure we're getting these spotted correctly. Um, but I'm not worried about it long term. I mean, at the end of the day, as much as I may love fantasy. You play fantasy. We everyone in the world who watches football seemingly plays fantasy, even if it's just casually. Um, these guys are humans. I, I think it's better to get the spotter out there, make sure that these guys are okay, and get the correct call versus what the hell your fantasy team is doing. And it, it's tough because, from my understanding, the independent neurologist who has been let go. Right since since this incident occurred. He, okay, so I have a question about how are you an independent neurologist when the NFL is paying you? <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you can hear that in this on the podcast and all that. That's me clapping because you can't be. I'm sorry. You're yes, you are not associated with either team directly. 
However, you are still employed by the NFL, NFL Players Association. That's not independent. The people who are check the checks and balances, the NFL is hiring or firing you based on what they feel. And if you're red flagging tons of players, they're going to get pissed at you. I'm sorry. That's not independent. It's not. There's no way it's independent. In fact, and, they are dependent on you. They probably don't have a practice anymore, or, or they're not practicing anymore, except for your organization. Because guess what? There's no such, there's no better money than NFL money. Okay. Exactly. And I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Danny. I do think this is a reaction to Tua. I feel like the NFL. Oh, I, I, I did correct myself. I I kind of was like, oh, like I just I, I feel like the the NFL yeah. went around to teams into all these independents. You know, the eyes in the sky and all that. It's like. If you think for a second they have a concussion, you're taking them out because 15 players is is a lot. I, I have never seen that many flagged in a single weekend. Oh, and not no. just that, Cameron Bright actually went back in the game actually before they pulled him back out again. Just as a side, that's note. Naperville Central's finest, Mister Man. Or was it was it North? I can't remember where did Cameron Bright go to school. Hey, I know he went to Harvard. Okay, anyway. I'm going to look this up while you while you continue. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to move on to uh, Javante Williams, right? Uh, Torres ACL done for the year. So that's not really the conversation here for the most part. It's the conversation is more about what they're, the Broncos are going to do after that. So fantasy purposes. Um, they are leaning on Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone. They also technically did sign Latavius Murray from the Saints practice squad, but he's inactive for tonight's game. So, you know, it was a short week. It was hard to get him revved up. So my question to you, oh, they also elevated Devin Ozig, Ozigbo for more likely special De- De- Isn't it Divine Ozigbo? I'm not going to lie. I didn't look up how to pronounce his name because he matters so What well. kind of podcast host are you? It's one God. that doesn't care about the elevated running back of the Denver Broncos. I'm not going to lie. That is, no, that is a Nebraska Cornhusker legend, sir. The fact you know that is amazing to me. That's a, that's a <laughs> awesome. um, So my question is, first of all, the Broncos have been – awful offensively the only reason they're in games is defense with this considering how important that javante williams was to this team are you are you playing russell wilson are you playing the receivers are you are, are you trying to get melvin gordon maybe if you can snag I, him I, mean, I i already had melvin gordon as his handcuff option in the one league i have him in like so i and he i think he's also scored on like 55 percent of all of his red zone touches prior to this year when when in Denver, so like the past two years, I think he's been there prior to this season. Um, so yeah, I, I would play Gordon just because he's gonna he's been a bell cow before when he was a member of the Chargers, and he's probably gonna be the work the workhorse here despite his four fumbles in his last four games. Ooh, I forgot to put this <laughs> up, so I was gonna flash it while you keep talking. For um, those listening, I'm putting up bear with wings on Danny's face. Is is there any receiver you really trust? I mean. It seems like the passing game is just launch it to Cortland Sutton and just see what happens. I mean, was Tim was Tim Patrick like that detrimental to their passing game? And I said it before where when they first got him, like they should have entertained trading Jerry Judy because I don't think the way he plays fits with Russ. Russ is a broken player. He and he's a deep guy. Jerry Judy is a route tactician. He's winning on timing and the ability to run routes and have a very crisp, nuanced tree. He'd be better off in like New England with Mac Jones, where it's all timing, boom, 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 ball out, let's go. But that's not what Russ does. 
You know, it's oh, let yeah. Russ cook when Russ might be cooked. But that's not my problem. I'm thank, I thank am God treating, they didn't give him a five year extension. I'm treating this team like it has like it has cancer. I am not touching it. I am not playing if I have Russ. I don't have wrestling. Thankfully, I stayed away from that bombshell. Um, I, I'm not. I have KJ Hamler like chilling in a in a dynasty league. He's buried on my bench at this point. You know, I'm hoping that maybe Hamler either ends up on another team in the future or Russ eventually just runs out his time there. Uh, but yeah, I'm staying away from this team. If you're lucky enough to have Melvin Gordon, that's the only playable person. That's the only make. one. Yeah, and Cortland, I guess, but. I don't know. In a deep league, if you got like a wide receiver three option, that's you can go Corlin. Or like your super flex. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break here and we'll be back momentarily. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right. All right. Welcome back. Now we're going to dive into this matchup. Vikings Bears. So over the last 10 games, this matchup sits at five and five Vikings winning the last two. So Danny, what are your thoughts on the Vikings? Um, I think they came out like gangbusters that first week and everyone was starting to sip the Kool-Aid that was Kevin O'Connell and that offense and Jay Jettas and all that fun stuff with him going crazy. But it's it's hard because Dalvin Cook is doing his Dalvin Cook thing where he's he's hurt or nicked up in some fashion seemingly every year, even though I think when he's right, he might be one of the two or three most just most gifted runners in the NFL. Um, and they they have Adam Thielen, who in theory should be like one of your top five second tier options as a wide receiver two in the league. And he's seemingly, until last week, was pretty silent. And Kirk Cousins is still Kirk. Like, it's not a bad thing to be Kirk Cousins, but he's still painfully Kirk Cousins, you know? (laughs) I don't know. I I don't really – we'll get more into it, but what are your thoughts on this game? I don't feel too great about it. I mean, so they blew the doors off Green Bay, right? Like you said, they. I think they threw – that was like a almost a Super Bowl esque moment for them. Let's come out strong. Was that like them throwing the? Like I always liken it to when Steve Spurrier first got to the Washington job, 
and he like blew his load in police in preseason and early on in that season, showing everyone the fun and gun offense that he was running down in Florida and DC. And then the league got the tape and was like, all right, uh, cool, do it now. And is it possible that it's with O'Connell now it's happening? It's like, all right, kid, we got your number. It's it's what makes great great. Great good's good and great's better. The adjustment to the adjustment, you know? Yeah, I so I think it's two things. I think A, it is what you're saying that they just here's everything we got, like the good stuff, and then it's like, oh wait, shoot, now what? Once the league starts to adjust <laughs> to you. But because then when you go out and you lose against the Eagles and barely beat the Vikings, then you know, then you had like the Andy Dalton-led Saints who didn't have Alvin Kamara, didn't have Michael Thomas, and you really only won on a missed double doink. So like you barely got out of that mm-hmm. one. I still think this team ultimately is likely to win 10 to 11 games, right? Like they're still that kind of a team, especially with the division they play in. And the defense is interesting. But when you have, it seems like almost the offense changed from week one to the rest where, and you and I talked about this before this, it was like a very Stafford like offense in the first one in terms of like Mm -hmm. that connection O'Connell to the Rams. And then all of a sudden it was the Jared, golf offense where all of a sudden you have a lot more heavy personnel um it's really these condensed splits where you have you know the receivers like justin jefferson and Thielen getting open on things like screens and drags and crossers choice routes but like it actually something that i think the bears would do <laughs> should do well with adding into their stuff but it's not the mm-hmm. big play things it's not the stafford bombs to justin jefferson no it's not it it's like it's almost like o'connell is protecting himself from Kirk. Don't let Kirk lose this game almost. It's kind of like you said, it's the Jared Goff game. It's the Jared Goff thing. Like, just all right, we have Todd Gurley, just give the ball to Gurley. All right, cool. It's the same thing. We have Alexander Madison, we have Dalvin Cook, we have Irv Smith as a safety blanket. Just do it. Just run the ball, protect the ball, and occasionally chuck it deep to to whoever, be it Thielen or more preferably Justin Jefferson. Well, it's a thing with Kirk Cousins too, right? I mean, like he when it, when everything is perfect, when when the picture uh, that he sees in front of him is exactly the same as it was on the whiteboard back, you know, the week before preparing, he's awesome. But yeah. then when you change anything, when you muddy that picture just a little bit, when the the pressure gets to him from from the pass rush, when you know the the, the coverage is actually where it's supposed to be, or like not supposed to be, at least in his mind, all of a sudden he just short circuits and he can't do anything. So that's just what Kirk cousins is. He's fine, but that's it. He's never going to win you a game. No. So transitioning a little to the defense. And uh, I do think it's interesting throw this comment up by J2K. Uh, I am also curious about the Ed Donatel because he's comes from that big Fangio tree where right. Fangio mm-hmm. doesn't blitz. It's usually still four man pressures. The thing is more like where the pressure is coming from, you know, coming is there from. a safety? Is there a linebacker instead of one of the, yeah yeah exactly but the vikings defense ranks 29th in pressure percent the coverage unit ranks 26th and they're flying back from a game in london if there's a and oh they're also playing in a dome which the bears have not had good weather luck if there's a game that justin maybe can kind of do a little something against the defense maybe it's this one I feel like we're going to be saying this every week, just finding that one thing. Like maybe I'm trying. This, I'm trying so hard. Maybe, maybe if it's this, or maybe if it's that. But I, I do somewhat agree with you. It, it's just hard to. And I know we're going to get to the love it and hate it and whatnot here going forward. But 
I, I think you said it pretty well. They've had bad weather luck. The the flight back from London, all of it. And then it that was a hard fought game. They won off the double doink, like you said. Like and every bear fan cringes in PTSD moments. But it it just seems like it's lining up for them to at least compete. If that's the thing, I I do think it's gonna be it's gonna be more of a classic Bears Vikings, I think, game where we'll get to our picks later in terms of how it turns out, but it's cl- I think it's gonna be closer than people would give it credit for. Um, so, and another part to talk, talk on before we hit some more specifics is the Bears offensive line, right? I mean, we I I opened the show with it, and I think it's important to talk about. Early in the week, Uberflus said that the line would be Braxton Jones, Lucas Patrick, Sam Mustafer, gross, Tevin Jenkins, and Larry Borum, you know, from left to right. <laughs> But then today, Getsy said that the team is trying to figure out the best combo for the line on Sunday. So there's a bit of a, a funkiness there. He also said uh, that Patrick, yesterday he did a little bit of everything, right? So some center, some guard. I'm not convinced that that line that Iberfus talked about, that combination is going to be what you see. Another thing that I think is important to highlight, uh, Quentin did a really good job actually compiling, and I'm going to throw it on the screen here in a second. Um, you can find him at Buckus Stats. Uh, he decided to take a look at kind of Lucas Patrick's career stats at different positions. And according to PFF, left guard, and I'm reading the screen to you for those who can't see it, mm-hmm. is the spot where he had done his best run blocking. But if you look, it's also where he had his worst pass blocking. So if you look at those grades at left guard, he had a 47.4 pass block percent. But he, when he moves to center, he's at 67. It's 20% boost when he moves to center uh, compared to... That, which is insane and in terms of run blocking. I mean, he just has been not good at center or right guard in theory, left guard was the best. So, I mean, if you're going by the stats, if you're going by the data, if his, as long as the hand is fine, which by my thought process, it should be, you, you play the guy at center. Right? Center. Yep. That's where, but that's what you also signed him to play. It, it, it's beyond me. Like, like we talked about last week, why he's not playing center is that if that hand is not cast in theory, it should be strong enough to snap the football. And if what have we had two straight weeks of Sam Mustafer just not putting the ball far enough back on an under center snap and it ends up on the ground like that, that's something small, but it needs to happen. And Justin plays a heavy role in the, the pass protection, right? But I'm telling you mm-hmm. right now, Mustafer missed some of those protection adjustments. Um, someone earlier, it might've been Berlissimo throughout there. Uh, well, if he's still playing line, why isn't he helping with the adjustments? I mean, he's right there. You just don't do that. You don't all of a sudden have your right guard, your left guard do those adjustments. Your center does it. So the fact I think getting him there, knowing the offense in theory, that should help everyone get on the same page. Mm-hmm. All right. Now we're going to share again. What we have coming up here is our love it, hate it, rehabilitate it where we pick something that we like about the matchup for the Bears, hate for the Bears, and then something that if These we were the coaches, not <laughs> we, we would we would fix. Again, if you're if you're listening to this, you got to pop on and watch the theater every once in a while. There's, there's just some great things that are in here, at least in my opinion. And you got to be there for the fun. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's just fantastic. Oh, God. So, Annie, what was your love? And I know that this is probably a bit of a struggle. Um... The struggle is real. Um, the love is just – the running game is still successful. I love that they could potentially still run the ball against a defense that is still client, clearly finding its way from the Mike Zimmer system that they were running to now the Donatello Vic Fangio system that's been kind of sweeping the lead the past couple of years. 
Um, I'm, I'm interested to see if uh, Monty plays, what kind of role, if they go more multiple in the running that they're doing versus just strictly outside zone and stuff like that, where the, maybe if they incorporate some power in duos because that's where Monty more thrives anyway, yeah. instead of trying to make him make a decision, let him get those moves to say, hey, this is your hole anyway, go through here, and then you can have all those special moves. That The thing that makes him special is his contact balance and his ability to make, pe- make a guy miss in space, right? Well, if you just say, hey – here's ISO or here's duo go straight ahead. And then you have him a lot with a linebacker one-on-one versus him trying to read and which hole is which on this outside zone. Yeah. You might get better success out. No, I'm not saying it's a cure all or anything. And I'm not even sure he's going to play. And if he does, like you mentioned earlier on the show, it's going to be closer to a 50, 50 snap load. I'd imagine, or even 60, 40 in favor of Herbert with him coming off of. <laughs> I just had to throw that out. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, Comment, just, maybe Valus Jones can donate his hands to Patrick. Hands he clearly Patrick isn't using them. them. That's that got gave me a giggle. <laughs> uh, I, so uh, what's your love it, Mason? <laughs> my love it. Um, unfortunately, Lewis Sign, who I know we both were pretty high on coming him coming mm-hmm. out of school as a as a deeper option for at safety. Um, he had a compound fracture in the left leg. He wasn't the starter, but he was definitely the guy who would could pop in and help. So it really falls entirely onto Cameron Bynum, who is currently playing opposite Harrod Smith at safety. I it's hard to use some of these stats for safeties because you don't always know like you know who has the blown coverage or where these gonna. It, it's tough to really grade the safety, but so far this year he's been targeted eight times and allowed seven completions for three touchdowns, with for a passer rating allowed of one hundred and fifty eight point three. That's not good. So you're saying that's less than ideal. I would hope, I mean, ugh, if there can be some inkling of protection, uh, if there can be some inkling of a receiver getting open deep, trying to go after his, <laughs> go after Bynum because the rest of the matchups aren't great. No, I mean, and Patrick Peterson isn't what he once was, but he's been fine. And Cam Dantzler is, again, fine. And the issue with that, it becomes like, I'm saying they're fine, and Andrew Booth has been hurt, their other highly drafted rookie in the secondary. It becomes, though, who do you trust to get open against fine? Right, exactly. Uh, we talked about like, at the top of the show, my stat. I mean, what, 35% open rating or percentage right now for the Bears receivers? Mm-hmm. Not good. Um, my hate. So I got this data from Jonathan Wood. Make sure you follow him. Uh, he's got some oh, really good data at Jonathan underscore Wood one. Uh, should note that this data is only through three quarters to try to avoid script in the fourth quarter, you know, passing a bunch when you're trailing or trying to run out the clock. Uh, but basically, he took a look at second and third down offense. And I hate currently the Bears' second and third down offense. I'm gonna, so on second down, they currently have 46% pass, 3.1 yards per pass, and 3.9 yards per run. On third down, by distance, when there's one to three yards to go, they've only run five plays, by the way, there in terms of those three quarters. pass, three first downs. If you go to four to six yards to go for the first down, 11 plays, 82% pass, five first downs. And when you're seven or more yards to go, they've run 20 plays for, and 85% of them have been passes. So my hate, first of all, the fact that you have 20 plays on seven plus to go and 11 plays on four to six yards to go, but also secondarily on second down, you're only passing 46% of the time. And you're getting 3.9 yards per run and 3.1 yards per pass, but at the same time, like, like you gotta test it. It can't be run, run, pass all the time. Like you have to switch it up. 
I mean, and this is where the growing pains of Getsy show their head, right? Or rear their ugly head, where it's like you're getting to this point where you're so predictable in your play calling that it makes you easy to key in on, makes you easy to game plan for until you change it up and make them pay for it. Well, what do you hate? What do I hate? I hate this secondary against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Um, again, citing Jay Wood, there is a there. It is quite literally a country while he that uh, Kyler Gordon is the worst corner in football right now, and it's one of those things for him that I know he's learning a dual role that can't be easy when you're playing corner and nickel, which is two very different responsibilities in defense. Um, I really, really need to need them to rather pick. I, I almost want them to just pick one versus the other for what he's doing. Like, I mean, Kendall's been fine. I don't think he's been awful. He's surprised me. He's been actually pretty good. Actually, I would say like yeah, good. Yeah, above average. Like, I, I, why not just let Kyler play nickel? I when he was coming out of Washington this year, I graded him. I I watched his tape and found him to be a nickel. Now, part of part of it wonders me wonders. He's a very special athlete, shall we say, being having the dancing background, the body control, the, the hip fluidity, et cetera, et cetera. Part of me wonders if he's getting so used, he's so used to just being able to do stuff that other human beings can't do all the way through college and just say, F it, I can make up for this later. Because it almost looks like he's thinking that he can't versus just playing football and what his assignment should be. And he's playing catch up a lot. And you can't play catch up in the NFL. Everybody's fast. I can't tell you how many times throughout the, the previous draft cycles you hear these SEC corners and receivers saying, I played in the fastest conference in college football and I get to the NFL and I'm not fast anymore. You yeah, know, I, re- I remember transitioning from high school to college wrestling. It was the same thing. Like I didn't lift, I didn't like do anything outside of practice, and I crushed it in high school. Got to college and realized, oh, like everyone's like good now. Everyone's fast. Right. Oh, I need to actually like do like the extra work. Okay. And then just factoring it in, you after Kindle, Jalen Johnson's not playing again. Yeah. Um. So Kindle's your one. Means Kyler's your two, and what's playing nickel? Like I at that point you have Jalen Jones I suppose Jaylen, right that's he's yeah your, he's your nickel means, he so you're getting for an undrafted free agent he's doing again fine it's a lot of fine tons of fine so I, I just don't like this matchup in the secondary I think it's gonna be a bad time if your pass rush can't start getting home so transition for me what would you rehabilitate um everything <laughs> <laughs> am I allowed to say that yeah. uh, no you I'm absolutely a what honestly, my real answer is the, the offensive line. You got to do something yeah. to try to shake things up. I would, if I had it my way, I don't know what the hell is going on with Riley Reef, and I want to know because he's probably your best offensive lineman, arguably on the team, and he's not playing football. It was such a big deal when he got signed. He had that incentive laden deal because, so in theory, like you'd think they'd talk to him and be like, "Well, if you hit these incentives, you're going to play." You're, you're going to get this extra money and then just disappears. I mean, I know what's his deal. I don't know. So, I mean, it, theoretically, this is all being perfect. Well, what I would do the line is, is Braxton Jones left tackle left guard Riley Reef. So you're giving him an experienced, well-respected guy next to him. 
Center Lucas Patrick, right guard would then be Tevin Jenkins full time, and your right tackle would be Larry Borum. And then ideal again, ideal situation. Larry Borum has not just been bad; he's been egregious. He's been terrible at football. Yeah. Ideally, Leatherwood gets healthy. You kick Riley Reef back out to right tackle, his natural position that he's played in his career, and then you can maybe transition Leatherwood into being your left guard, and maybe that's how something can work out down the line. But I don't know if that's even plausible because I don't know what the hell is going on with Riley Reef. <laughs> it's it's getting to the point where you got to see. Um, my rehabilitate is the rushing yards that are allowed right now. I mean, it's it's egregious, right? Bottom of the league with 183.2 yards allowed per game. T- defensive DOA where they rank 15th overall. The, and then the defensive rushing DVOA is 24th. Nick Morrow recorded his first tackle in the third quarter against a team that was just that running is the ball. inexcusable for a Mike Backer. Like, we we know that, yes, he's a little better in pass D than Rushy, but like you said, inexcusable. Like, even if you trip uh, into half a tackle, come on now. Mason, this might be more your speed. I see John Talala, Talalia put up an interesting one. It's uh, how long can we expect before Leatherwood is fully recovered from Mono? Um, I know they kind of activated him off of, the illness list or the non-football injury, whatever, right today. And he was seen on the field, but he wasn't doing anything. He was just in street clothes. Yeah. It, it pulls some, it's such a big range. And I hate people. I know people hate that answer, but some people, it takes them like a year to get their cardio back. I'm He's going to be back before that. Let's, let's get that straight. Mm. Um, but, you know, I would say it's probably the two to three week mark before we right. truly, you know, end up seeing him back back. Um, especially because even when he went down, I mean, he had barely he'd barely been here, so he still is trying to figure mm-hmm. out figure out how to, what to do with the Bears at this point. Uh, but yeah, thanks for highlighting that. Um, oh, and the other thing I would highlight, I want to highlight too on that in terms of the Russian defense is Alan Williams had a quote today saying, "I would, well, you know, when asked how do you think the Vikings are going to attack them, I would think they would look to look at us and go, you know what, where they are in the stats that they're going to come in and say, Hey, they're coming in our house and we're going to run the ball down their throat and then play action pass and get over their head. That's what the stats say to do. So we'll see if the stats lie or not. My question to you is, will the bears do anything differently? And really can they do anything differently? Well, that just reeks of a co- of a coach trying to light a fire under his, under his players. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's not a bus tossing. That's, that's making it known like, Hey, we have to be better. I would um, have 100%, right? Like, it's it's just Alan Williams being like, look, like we talked about. We talked about the keys. We talked about the, the Jimmys and Joes have to execute. I think that's Alan Williams saying, look, we told y'all to, that Dan, that Daniel Jones is going to roll out again, and you still let him roll out again. We told you Saquon's going to be coming right down the middle at you, and you missed the tackle in Morrow in the backfield when we could on third and eight, and we would have had them stopped, but instead you let him scamper for um, a first can down. Can I actually, score. before we move on, can I add one small rehabilitated to it? Yes. Um, Roquan Smith, you want to be the $20 million linebacker? You've got to make some plays. I'm a big Roquan Smith fan. I thought he was the correct pick, even if Quentin Nelson would have been there out of Georgia that year. That's how special I thought he was. And the production he had at Georgia was close to unparalleled when he came out. I get it. Tyrod Taylor is a special athlete playing quarterback. Daniel Jones is a good athlete playing quarterback. Tyrod is a special athlete and has been for a very long time. But you have to make that tackle. He can't spin out from under you. You have to make certain plays if you want to be that guy. And anything I get in, it. Anything in life, you you, you got to be the top of the top if you're going to ask for that kind of money. He's not doing that. Mm-hmm. Right 
Correct. That just throwing that out there because I know I've had it in my mentions and my DMs and stuff before. Like, oh, you're just apologizing for Roquan. Like, yeah, I I, I do because part of being a, a Mike or a Will in this defense is having everything filtered to you or funneled to you rather, and you have to be able to get clean hits. He's not remaining clean, but when he is clean, he's missing some should be tackles, and that's necessary if you want the money that he's asking for. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the thing. I don't care. I don't particularly care if you're getting blocked, if you're clean. I don't care if you're getting double teamed. When you want to be a top three, let's just say, guy being paid at your position, you get through that stuff. You make, you know, gold out of out of shit. To say, just to put it lightly. So that's what that's what you need to do. Correct. All right, we're going to move on now to our X factors. We're going to have one on offense, or one, sorry, one for the Bears, and we're also going to have one for the Vikings. So, Danny, what is your X factor for For the Bears? I mean, it's Justin, right? It's got to be. At the end of the day, it's got to be Justin Fields. You want, you got to start scoring points. You can't have 12 points being scored in a modern NFL game. Yeah, it's, and like, we're not, I'm not giving, I've had people kind of slide into my DMs and responding things saying that I'm trying to give Justin a pass. I think kind of similar to with you and Roquan. And I just think he was first of all, put in a terrible situation. However, there are so many, th- there are things that he needs to take care of, right? He does hold on to the ball too long. He is looking for the perfect pass. He's letting perfect be the, the devil or the, the enemy of good. Take the good, right? Take the easy pass when it does exist. And, you know, Unfortunately, you got to trust a line that's kind of untrustable, which that leads me to my X factor interior offensive line. I need the, those three guys, even though you lost Cody White here, I need those three guys to be able to give Justin at, at a minimum that 2.5 to three seconds to make so the read. Here's my question for do you Are they going to play Jatir Carter? So, so that's an interesting thing because that was floating around Bears Twitter today, right? With ESPN right. having Jatir Carter yeah. as listed as the right guard right now. I'm pretty sure, and you know, take this with a grain of salt, but I'm pretty sure they literally all they did was, oh, Cody White here is on IR. Let's put him back. Who's next in line on the, on our depth chart? Oh, we're moving Carter up. Right, that makes sense. I don't, I don't think the Bears can start two rookies on the left side. I, no, I, don't I just think don't so think either. they can do it. Um, if you had a more stable left tackle, right? If you didn't have a problem at center right now, maybe you could you could do that, but not with what's going on sure uh what about for the vikings what is your x factor what will the vikings need to do to win this the x factor player is justin jefferson i mean or i mean or any number of guys i i don't know what dalvin was dalvin cook on the injury report or no I didn't catch that. No, and that's the thing. There, there was so few. We didn't really talk oh. about it. Yeah, he wasn't on there at all, and there was three people who were limited, but we'll play. This, the, thankfully, they're coming off of a of a that flight plane ride back because this this offense that they're facing could be nothing nice for them between Thielen and Jefferson and and Cook. So I guess I'll throw instead of Jefferson because he's the easy one. I'll throw Cook just because of how bad the run defense has been. You might get a heavy dosage of him and Madison, and they might just do it until you decide to stop them. Which can they? Oh, that absolutely makes sense. And that's the thing—you can go to so many different X factors uh, right now for the for the Vikings. I chose to go with Kirk Cousins versus Allen Williams. Uh, we talked about how Kirk Cousins <laughs> is 
is when it's perfect, <laughs> he's good. When he's when it's not perfect, he's bad. So is is Kirk going to be able to overcome that? Is Alan Williams going to challenge him essentially? Like is, is Alan Williams going to say, "Hey, we're going to muddy the water." Is there going to be a shifting of coverage? Is there going to be confusion of who's coming on a blitz or not? Because well, part of that is also not, you, Kirk wins. And part of that also is your your big money players got to make big money plays. Robert Quinn is making a boatload of money, and he's been on a milk carton this year. Where is he? You set the franchise record last year for sacks, and the whole offseason, we're wondering if he's going to get traded. He's not getting traded, and he's not doing anything now. Oh, yeah, he's doing absolutely nothing. You know, gave him a little bit of a, a pass when it came to – when it came to the Texans game, just because, I mean, that was a tough matchup for almost anybody. Uh, but after, other than that though, you got to show up, right? I mean, that's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, who would you say would be the, is going to be your thought on who's going to be the offensive player of the game for the bears? Offensive player of the game for the bears. Um, you know, last time I'm going to go up, go off history. The last time Mooney lined up against the Vikings, he went off for a pretty big game. I want to say it was, uh, close to double digit catches with like 120 plus yards or so and a touchdown, if memory serves. Um, so I think if if the Bears want to stand a chance, Mooney's going to have a big day, and I think that's the offensive player of the game if they if they want to have the have a chance because you can't just keep relying on your running game. Eventually, your passing game has to support your run game. So you and I were were similar in this. I wanted to put Mooney, but then I thought, okay, well, you know, he's going to get I don't know shut down, but you know, Patrick Peterson. Uh, again, you talked about a uh, dancer. They've been fine. I'm going to go back to my my love matchup where I talked about Bynum not being so hot this year. So mm-hmm. I think someone that maybe you could use because apparently they don't want to use Smith Marset and apparently they barely want to touch Bales Jones at this point. I'm hoping they change that. But in lieu of them actually doing that, Dante Pettis is mine. Can Dante Pettis Ooh. with his speed challenge deep? <laughs> That's an interesting thought, especially because he has been lining up in the slot a fair amount because Equinemius St. Brown is strictly outside only. Mm-hmm. So that, Which, yeah, I think I think it's entirely yeah, it's a, possible. That's an interesting it's an interesting call, especially because we know based off of record that, or ju- based on uh, Justin Fields going on record earlier that he likes Dante. So they yeah, show that early and often. Uh, defensive player of the game, who you got? Um, it's hard to say. Uh, I would almost lean towards you got to stay with the hot hand. Uh, Eddie Jackson's been really, really good, and it's hard to ignore him. And this is coming from someone that I've, I've been a very harsh critic of Eddie Jackson, and I think rightfully so. Um, but it seems like he's put a lot of his um, issues, shall we say, to bed for the time being, and I'm going to ride the hot hand. I think Eddie Jackson might have another big day. And, if I, you know, Kirk Cousins is kind of like an ATM. Eventually he's going to give you the football. You make him – you make him throw enough. I thought about putting Eddie here. Um, I decided to, to switch it up just to be different, I suppose. And I put Travis Gibson. Um, he had a good start to the year. It slowed down a little bit, but if you're, you got to make, get, get Kirk under pressure. It's as simple as that. I don't, and I don't believe in Robert Quinn, so I'm not putting him as my answer. So if, if Travis Gibson can actually create some pressure, you know, throw that mm-hmm. Thor hammer down on a, on a, a couple sacks here, that could be the difference between, a win and a loss, just as if you, especially if you can knock uh, the Vikings out of field goal range on a drive, maybe Kirk Cousins fumbles the ball in one of those. That's why I got Gibson. Sure. All right. So then that leads us to 
who we believe is going to be our king of the north, a.k.a. our MVP of the game. Who do you got? Justin Jefferson. (laughs) I just all of the reasons above. (laughs) For all of the reasons above. He's the best receiver in football right now for my money. The Cooper Cup or whoever you want to throw in there with him. I just that guy is a problem. And it's gonna be one of those games I feel like we're at into next week. I'm still gonna feel like Justin Jefferson is just running open all over Soldier Field, or in this case, the 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 new stadium up in Minnesota. I always want to say the Metrodome. I know it's not the Metrodome, but it's what I'm what I default to. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And and to be fair, you know, this is called the King of the North, so he is yeah. in the you know NFC, so he does yeah. NFC North. He does count for this. Um, I refuse to put a Viking in this category. I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I refuse. <laughs> I'm putting Eddie Jackson, uh, just like J2K said. Bojack is playing godlike to your football. You and I both mentioned how good, um, how good that play interception he had was. I mean, he it ran was. that route. I mean, the amount of space he covered was was beautiful. Um, it's it's if the Bears win, it's gonna be because he does something that he does something that switches how this game ends up looking. Sure. All right, transitioning to some more some of our other predictions. Over unders. Hit me. All right. So first one, Justin Jefferson. Over under seven and a half receptions. Over. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I think that's pretty close. Uh, I believe his highest this year might have been nine. Uh, but ugh, I mean, is who's guarding him right now? Is it gonna be Kyler Gordon? I mean, uh, or do you have sure. Kindle? Do you have your best Kindle just? Kind of follow him around. <laughs> Shadow with Kindle Vildor. Thought I would never hear that uttered, and it makes me a little sick. I mean, again, he's playing way better. I can Kindle oh, do, you know, but but I don't oh, like saying God. bad sentences. <laughs> All right, next. Uh, three and a half sacks allowed by the Bears. Oh, yeah. under they're going to run the ball a lot and i hope that they get get it together a little bit i'm trying to not be a complete downer pessimist this whole show as i've kind of been the the entire show you know so yeah i'm gonna say i would say over um i just i i know it's a focus and they don't necessarily have the the most amazing pass rushers i mean they got some solid ones though don't get me wrong but 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 i mean neil hunter is still still very good yeah i was gonna say Neil Hunter's still really good at playing of the football zadarius smith is still the playing of the football i just meant it more like they didn't have the you know tj watt of the world but they're still they're both very good and just the fact that I think there could be some again with Ed oh, Donatel. There could be some confusing just, coverages. I just looked it up. Um, Daniel Hunter to this point has a whole one sack on the season. Oh, <laughs> wow. that's actually surprising. I'm blown away by that. Yeah, and like J2K just said, I mean, six sacks on 22 attempts last week. Uh, now, to, that's, to be fair, wasn't two of them Justin running out of bounds short of the yes. sticks? So yes, that that absolutely was. So that even if you go with four. It's still not it's still. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic because I've been negative <laughs> the whole show, man. Give me a break. <laughs> All right. How about this one? Maybe be optimistic here over under 0. 0.5 touchdowns for Darnell Mooney. 
So he scores a touchdown. Sure. Yeah. Darnell gets Darnell hits the house once this, this game. Sure. One. It's just like, I wanted it to be even like a different number, but that's bold. That's a best bold for him. He, he hasn't, he's got nothing. Oh man. This is, this is just a really uplifting segment. We're doing isn't it. Maybe the next one will be more fun. Um, over under 250 passing yards for Kirk Cousins. Uh, over. <laughs> I would agree. I mean, I, he had 260 something and 270 something in two of his last games. Um, and we just went into great detail saying how the secondary is not good. Um, this one's a pick em. Uh So this should be interesting. So if you had to straight up pick who you thought would have a better, let's say, fantasy day between this combination between cook and madison and between herbert and let's say montgomery plays who is you picking i would probably go cook because he's probably the most talented of the group i know madison's been kind of a darling lately with like so cook is for you is lifting the group of cook madison over the group of herbert monty yes gotcha i i I just i know cook is hard to hard to get behind because he's got some off field stuff dating back to his days in at Florida state, whatnot, but just the pure t- talent of him playing running back. It's, it's unreal. I think I'm going to go with Herbert and Monty just because I think the Vikings are going to pass a lot. And so then I don't know if cook will get necessarily as, as many options. I just, I, think they're going I don't know to that. I, you I, said I that like a question. It's just, yeah, it, I'm trying to, again, not want to be this negative. So I'm, I'm trying to phrase things differently. Yeah, oh, but. I, I absolutely, and we're a bear show. It's, it's hard to forget that sometimes we are a bear show. Like, so that's why I'm going to go with Herbert Montgomery, just because I think the Bears have to use them to score versus I don't know that the Vikings are going to have to use Cook. I think we're all sleeping on Cole Komet at this point. You know, oh, you, just, you shut, you shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm I'm was such a, I'm a, I'm still to an extent a Cole Komet apologist and I'm running out of the apologies, dude. Stay off the ground, like that's his dude. The turf is his falling. best friend. The turf is best friend. I'm over it. Um, so that's a good way to transition to our next segment. One of my favorite ones. This one is called for today: Bear Down, or will it be a Purple People Eater Feast? Uh, basically, I'm going to rapid fire a couple uh, comparisons to Danny: one bear, one Viking in this instance, and he's going to pick which one he'd prefer. There is a caveat to this one. This one is over the next five years. Hmm. So a little okay. more longevity to, to keep in mind. Uh, feel free uh, to to play in the chat. You know, shoot out who you would choose. So, are you ready to go, Danny? Absolutely. Dave Montgomery, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin. Uh, Khalil Herbert, Alexander Madison. Probably Herbert. Cole Komet, Irv Smith. Irv Smith. Sam Mustafer, Garrett Bradbury. Bradbury. Braxton Jones, Christian Derisaw. Derisaw. I think Derisaw is slowly becoming a really good left tackle. I agree. Darnell Mooney, Justin Jefferson. What? No. Just Jefferson. Yeah. Just (laughs) Darnell Mooney, Adam Thielen. Next five years, you're saying? Mooney. Mm -hmm. Thielen's on the back end. KJ Osborne or Equinemius St. Brown? 
KJ. See, I love KJ Osborne. I think he's one of the best number threes in the damn league. He's a very, very unsung receiver in the NFL. He's a good player. Uh, Jalen Rager or Nikhil Harry? Uh, Rager for return purposes. Uh, Justin Fields or Kirk Cousins? Fields. And I love that I can do this. There's not a lot of teams I can. Kyrie Blasting Game or CJ Ham? Uh, Kyrie Blasting Game has been awesome. So I'm going with Kyrie Blasting Game. Come on now. Like, honestly, if you scored everybody uh, just in terms of contribution per what their position can contribute, he'd be a top three player for the Bears. I mean, it'd be Eddie Jackson, him. and He has been legitimately good at what he's been asked to do. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, uh, Nick Moriano, uh, go check him out on Twitter, has done a good job, I think, of highlighting some of the blasting game uh, cultism that is floating around, uh, just in terms of what he's been able to do. Like, when he's in there, it's just better. Uh, you saw even with him with the uh, Titans, which we haven't seen yet, he can catch the ball. He can run a wheel route really well out of the backfield. I mm-hmm. want to see that happen. Um, sure. The one I was going to talk about, because I thought you might go the other way, but was Justin Fields versus Kirk Cousins. Um, but I think, I mean, we're on the same page on that. I would take Justin as well. While, I mean, we know what Kirk is. And we also, I think, know that you're not going to, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. You're just straight up not. So why would I take someone that's just going to keep leading me to either no playoffs or maybe a first round exit? It's, a, it's the tale of a quarterback in the NFL. Defense. All right. We're going to switch it up now. Travis Gibson or Zadarius Smith? Next five years still, uh, probably probably Travis Gibson. Dominic Robinson or Daniel Hunter? Daniel. I think the peak is still going to be there for Daniel right now, and I'm a big Robinson fan. Justin Jones, Jonathan Bullard. Jones, Bullard. We had the Bullard experience here. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good. It was not a fun experience. Uh, Roquan Smith or Eric Kendricks? Uh, Roquan, Eric's again, coming to the end of it at his peak. It's hard to it's hard, it's hard to remember this. Daniel Hunter's only twenty seven years old. That's the only reason I went to Neil over Robinson. For the record, I was I was gonna go back to that because I think that's a fun convo. Um, Harrison Smith or Eddie Jackson? Oh, that's two really different players. But the they next are. five years, probably probably Eddie. I mean, Eddie's not young by any stretch, but uh, I'll, I'll say Eddie. Yeah, I also despise Harrison Smith. Um, Lewis Sign or Jaquan Brisker? Scene, excuse Probably me. sign. Is this sign? I think you would have been better served flipping them. Here's but. the thing: it in terms of actual play, yes, it it's technically should be the other way. Mm-hmm. To me, though, it was too obvious. If I mean, if you put Eddie Jackson right, against him for the age, same thing. Even with Jaquan versus Harrison, you're like, oh, maybe we have a future with Jaquan. No, I I would probably go scene just because I think scene was a better football player coming out. Mm, okay, um, Patrick Peterson versus Jalen Johnson. Jalen and Cameron Dantzler versus Kyler Gordon. Ooh, I'll take Kyler just because I think he's going to explode when he plays in the slot full time. Uh, yeah, I think he's just currently being like we talked about this before. Too many things on his plate, trying to learn two positions. Plus, one of the positions again doesn't fit super well. He really should be in the at nickel. Kind of stinks that you're. This is a little cav- thing we should I think go off in, uh, for a half second here. What is your impression on how important the nickel is to this defense, considering what we saw with the Colts? 
So I think it's super important, not just for this defense, but in this league in general. The league is a passing league. Even with the transition back to too high, you still need a nickel because slot receivers are game changers because it's the best receivers aren't just outside anymore. It's not just a pure X anymore. That's like, Oh, you got to worry about him. No, Justin Jefferson's lining up in the slot. Right. Like, yeah. And we saw that that was an issue when last year, uh, Devonte went into the slot in the second half of that bears Packers game. And right. Jalen was like, I, I, he was in the slot. I, I don't really like, there. I know. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but, um, two weeks from now when they played Detroit, not Detroit, Dallas, C.D. Lamb lines up in the slot greater than 40% of the time. He's not just going to be outside. So you need a good nickel in today's league because the best receivers are lining up inside-outside, not just strictly outside. Right, absolutely. And that's the thing like that's tough that a lot of people are forgetting is that whether it's in this defensive league as a whole, you're now drafting a starter. So spending a second-round pick while currently what what we've seen hasn't been fantastic will – I think it's going to pay dividends longer in the future. So we're going to look at now game predictions, last couple sections here. So we're just going to basically go against the spread. Uh, Bears, Vikings, Vikings are favored at seven and a half. Who you got? I think I would pick the Vikings on the money line, but I think it's going to be closer than eight points. So Bears cover, but Vikings win. Bears in general are played some of their NFC opponents closer than we think. I think the Vikings are flawed. Again, they barely beat an Andy Dalton team that didn't have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. And again, they basically only because of that missed a double doink. I just, I have a hard time picking seven and a half points is too much. So I would also say the bears here. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at tonight's game, Colts Broncos, Broncos favored by three. Who you got? (laughs) This is going to sound bad because I was on my timeline saying how excited I was to watch the Matt Ryan Colts offense. <laughs> and there's no Jonathan Taylor tonight. And, oh boy, uh, Matt, uh, Matty Ice might need, need, need to be put on ice at this point. Um, but that defense, I, I'm going to go uh, Broncos to win. I picked the Colts, and I'm not happy about it at all. Um Again, the Broncos, 50% of their offense was Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon isn't washed by any means, but he's also not Melvin Gordon from the Chargers. It's, I don't know what Russ is doing. Uh, whether And also, I can't pick Russ. The cringiness is too much. The wearing your own jersey. Mr. The, Unlimited does do Mr. it for you. Unlimited. Like, unlimited. I can't do it. I straight up can't do it. Uh, also, I don't know. I, I like I, – I think Matty Ice can elevate a team still – in the right circumstance and with the receivers he has with the line that they have, I think that there's going to be options. Sure. I can see that. That's my way to talk myself into not picking Russell Wilson. Um, <laughs> next we got giants at Packers uh, minus eight. Who you got? Giants at Packers minus eight. Uh, you know what? I think the Giants are terrible. Uh, I'm going to say the Packers went out right and cover that spread. That's a big number, but, I mean, Romeo Dobbs is coming on. They still got A.J. Dillon and um, Aaron Jones. Robert Bobby Tanyan's been getting better, another, you know, Chicago yeah. area kid. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that's pretty easy. Packers on both win and cover the spread. I picked, I'm picking the Packers as well. Uh, I mean – 
the giant the Giants Bears game. Gi- Giants fans are strutting right now, but it's two bad teams who are two and one trying to pretend to be three and one. Daniel Jones is still limping about. They still don't have receivers even after last week. You know, plus you know they they even lost more. They're hurting. They're the Packers are the Packers are the Packers. They're not gonna they're not gonna let the Giants do what they did to the Bears. It's just not gonna happen. Nope. Uh, Lions at Patriots. The Lions are favored by three. And Bailey Zappi's playing quarterback, right? <laughs> Still not official, but let's. I've told uh, so. Uh, Kyrie Thompson, who does a great job covering the Patriots, him and I had a good conversation about uh, the high ankle sprain that that uh, Mac Jones uh, went through, and they're they're not putting him in IR. They're not. He should be out six to seven weeks. The fact that he's not is insane. He's not playing this week, in my humble opinion, as a physical therapist, sporty guy. So yeah, go with go um, with Zappi. You know, all right, I will say um, that it's probably going to be. I, I think the Lions they've been good. They they can't stop anything, but they're putting up points, and I think they lead the league in an explosive plays from scrimmage right now. So could be fun. For all the reasons, and they don't even have Jameson Williams back. I'm so excited. I have have him in like three dynasty leagues. I'm so excited when he comes back because it's going to be great. Um, we got. I'm gonna pick the same thing. Lions for all the reasons you said. And lastly, Raiders at Chiefs. Chiefs favored by seven. Chiefs cover. The the Raiders are a dumpster fire. McDaniel's looks like he's completely in and over his head right now, and that's wild considering I thought he was gonna be the best coaching hire of the cycle to start. And I'm not even afraid to admit that. Like, uh-huh. I never thought he would leave New England, truthfully. And then Las Vegas got him out of it. But I'm gonna say, yeah, um, Patrick Mahomes is still leading the best. Uh, offense in the league despite using Tyreek Hill on an EPA per play basis. Um that guy the little play off the just off the goal line last week where he like spins out and like just shot puts it to Clyde Edwards Alaire in the back of the end zone. It's like at a certain point what are you supposed to do? He they have Patrick Mahomes and it's like it's like years ago DeMar DeRozan at, after getting knocked out of the Eastern Conference semis again by LeBron James and the Cavs. And he just goes, they have LeBron James and we don't. What do you want me to say? <laughs> like, it's like they have Patrick Mahomes and we don't. That's where it ends. <laughs> it's the Raiders are the perfect. What were you trying to do? What did you expect to be? And why are you so far from it? Right. Because they Absolutely. were like, we're, we're Devontae Adams away from being legitimate contenders. They did that. Um, I'm a, a same boat you were. I, I was pissed that the Bears didn't even consider Josh McDaniels because I thought he was going to be a great hire and was going to you know, flip whatever offense that he got. And he learned his lessons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Learned his lessons. And it just straight up didn't happen. Um, There's a, I don't remember if you know who did this thread, someone who's on the Broncos, he was a lineman tweeted out a thread talking about some of the stuff that McDaniel. Oh yeah. The the former offensive lineman. I I read that. Do, Do you remember who that was? I can't remember the offensive lineman's name. I know he was a lineman, though. If, if anyone can find that, look at, read that, because I think it's a perfect microcosm of, in theory, maybe what's still going on, maybe in sure. Raiderland. Maybe he didn't learn his lesson, because that thread highlighted so well what the problem was there. Um, but, yeah, all right. That's our game predictions. Next and final segment, we have our coccyx and bull story. Play on a cock and bull story, which is something just so unbelievable that it'd be crazy if it happens. Gotta love it. Give it up for the pun. Uh, And so, what is your offensive bold prediction? Offensive bold prediction. Um, 
Darnell Mooney gets gets into the touchdown, gets into the end zone and scores his first touchdown of the year. Going real bold here. <laughs> it, it's funny because my bold prediction is probably even less, maybe less so than that one, that I have Amir Smith-Marset, revenge game, shows up with a 30-plus yard catch. That's it, just catch. I would love that. I'm gonna. I'm. A, I, I think you and I have talked enough about this, Mason. When they when he got cut, I was like texting you, like they need to go get him right now. Ah. Oh, absolutely. And in theory, he fits what what the Bears miss a bit. They don't have a super speedy deep threat, but he only had six snaps last game. So get him at least get him on the dang field. Um, defensively, I had Bears force Court Cousins to commit two turnovers. I'm thinking one's gonna be a fumble, maybe Travis Gibson right off the edge, and then an interception. Uh, Robert Quinn shows up. Harkening back to when I first started doing Bears podcasting, I'm going to keep just hammering one thing until it happens. And it, a couple years ago, it was Anthony Miller is the X factor. If the Bears can just get Anthony Miller involved. Right now, it's Robert Quinn just explodes out of the scene this week. Maybe this is it. Maybe he just needed to uh, shake off the, the Christian. He, he needed the Christian Darisoff matchup is what he needs, That's Mr. Man. Well, that is all we have for tonight. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Again, it's amazing. We still have not been canceled yet. We're here. Um, leave any comments you know, on YouTube, on Twitter. Um, for the fantasy section, if there's a player that pops up and you have a question, please shoot me a DM, and you know, we'll try to we'll focus on that. If they're going to play, if it's someone that you should start, how, how that's going to look. Uh, again, anything you want to leave off here with, Danny? No, that's pretty much it. All right, Everyone have a good night, knuckleheads. <laughs> Have fun with a not great Thursday night football game. Peace out. Toodles. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.